Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. at school is how great Marsha did this or how wonderful Marsha did that. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the OIS podcast. Don't worry, we have not been pirated by TV land. I just wanted to introduce this podcast with that very famous scene from the much-beloved Brady Bunch because this week we're focusing on glaucoma. This is our first so-called KOL Corner Podcast. We, we're going to be speaking with KOLs in ophthalmology on a regular basis going forward, compiling their thoughts and sentiments, and bringing them all together into this, uh, this, this forum where we can, uh, we can look forward as to some of the, uh, at some of the uh, promising drugs and devices that are being developed, but also perhaps talk about some of the challenges that, uh, that are being faced by uh, practitioners in, in each subspecialty. So today we're, we're fortunately talking about glaucoma for, for a few reasons. First, uh, January was Glaucoma Awareness Month, so it, uh, it clearly was in the minds of many. We had the Glaucoma 360 panel, uh, 360 conference rather, uh, at the start of this month in San Francisco, which, uh, which was a wild success. So we're here. And finally, last week, uh, of course, Alcon made its bid to acquire Transcend, which uh, really heats up the whole MIG space. So this is a great opportunity to talk to some leaders in glaucoma about this specialty, which, in the words of one of uh, one of the folks we talked to, was always the had been traditionally the boring stepsister of ophthalmology. It was not; it was an area that did not get a lot of attention from innovators, or even from, from clinicians in, in some cases. Uh, but that has changed, and that's why we led with the, the Brady Bunch opening. And yes, I know Marsha and Jan are actual sisters, not stepsisters, but uh, it was a parallel I didn't, want to, uh, I didn't want to miss. We'll talk to a few of uh, the leading glaucoma specialists about uh, Glaucoma 360 in a little bit. But first, let's focus on the news of last week. Transcend, uh, based in Menlo Park, has developed a, the SciPass Microstent. It's a, a MIGS device that's implanted in the anterior segment of the eye, and it helps create a, a drain for the aqueous fluid into the suprachoroidal space in the eye. Last fall, as we reported at OIS, Transcend submitted to the FDA its positive two-year results from the Compass Pivotal Clinical Trial, so it got that PMA moving down the track. Well, according to, to Wendy Hutton of Canaan Partners, one of the investors in Transcend, that bit of good news uh, drew a lot of interest from acquirers. And uh, understandably, uh, it presented an opportunity for Transcend's uh, executives and investors to find the right partner to commercialize uh, the SciPass and to get it into the hands of surgeons or specialists and into the the eyes of uh, glaucoma patients uh, as they undergo cataract surgery. The terms of the offer uh, were are confidential. They haven't been disclosed. But in an email, uh, Wendy wasn't available to be interviewed for the podcast, but in an email, she said that Transcend is, quote, very pleased with such a favorable outcome. So it was, uh, it was likely generous, uh, as was the, uh, the acquisis, acquisis acquisition by Allergan uh, last fall which uh, started with the $300, $300 million upfront payment. So what does this mean for 
the MIG space. I talked to Liav Abraham. She's a senior an analyst uh, she co at Cities uh, Equity Research Group. She covers specialty pharma. She was, she was at OIS uh, last fall. She helped with one of our uh, breakfast breakout sessions. And she does not cover Alcon, so she can't speak directly to the Transcend acquisition, but she does cover Allergan, which acquired Aquasis, and it provides a pretty good model for what we're talking about here. And uh, I asked Leah how large an opportunity she sees MIGS being for Allergan uh, with its Aquasis, uh, with the Aquasis device in house. And uh, here's what she said. I've put it down conservatively at around $200 million in sales, but it could um, certainly exceed that depending on you know, how rapidly it's adopted and how many other players are, are in the space. And I am aware of the, uh, the acquisition of, of Transcend uh, last week. So I think that's a pretty conservative estimate. Um, but overall, it fits in with a company's strategy and then the industry generally moving towards minimally invasive procedures or longer duration therapies um, just to, to mitigate, mitigate some of the issues of, of compliance. Um, the one thing that's interesting to note here is that um, this is a very attractive proposition for physicians um, because um, it, it, the, uh, the, uh, the amount of time that they spend on the procedure is, is um, very low compared to trabeculectomies um, and therefore um, they can do more procedures in a day, and, and the, intent, the financial incentivization is high. So there is a very real possibility that um, adoption could be rapid, and um, the, the peak sales opportunity could be uh, could be higher than you know what, what we've uh, what we published. Leah Abraham is right. Uh, it'll come down to the doctors. You know, this gives them a tool to use in glaucoma treatment. Uh, this presents an opportunity for them to treat more patients than they've currently treated. So we've, we've talked to some of the, the leading, perhaps the leading uh, specialists in the field. Uh, one of them, Kuldev Singh, uh, the professor of ophthalmology and the director of glaucoma services at Stanford, says that uh, as far as looking at treatments for glaucoma, we're really just at the, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, but he sees the, the transcend deal as, uh, as being a positive indicator and, and perhaps a sign of hope for uh, innovators uh, going forward to create new treatments for glaucoma? I think it's exciting. I think, you know, it's, it's great that Alcon has invested in, in, in Transcend uh, because it shows, it shows validation that MIGS is for real. And, and uh, that I think that, um, you know, this is going to help patients and it's good for both companies. Uh, and, and, and more importantly, it, um, I think it's good for the field. It's good. Uh, for other people who are innovating in glaucoma, know now that uh, that there's an interest in taking these technologies form, forward, innovating to help patients. And you know, whenever you see this type of a deal being announced, it, it, it's only it, it, there are only good things that can come out of it for the profession. Um, and uh, I would imagine that uh, everybody's excited about this, and I think you'll see more activity in, in, in the next year or two in, in the glaucoma surgical space. So I'm very positive about this, and everything I've heard has been positive from others. You know, we had uh, we had the Allegan acquisition of Aquasis uh, mm -hmm. recently as well. So 
two big deals in uh, in you know in the space of uh, less than a year, uh, actually about six months. And and this is you know this is just tremendous validation for our field and great news for patients that big companies are investing in ophthalmology and specifically in glaucoma. I might add. But what sort of dynamic is shaping up here? Uh, is this going to be a horse race? Uh, is this going to be a battle for the MIGS market? Uh, Leah Abraham says, you know, the, the, the pie is big, so there's a lot of pie to go around to different MIGS players, and there are more to come. If you go to OIS.net and search MIGS, you'll see uh, presentations from many, uh, many startups in the MIGS space. But I asked Dr. Uh, Rick Lewis. He's uh, got a great perspective on the space. Uh, he's been the past president of the American Glaucoma Society and of ASCRS. Uh, so he's got a, a great point of view on uh, on where these devices will fit in uh, the actual practice of medicine. And I asked him, are, are we looking at uh, a fight? Are we looking at a horse race for the, uh, the, MIGS, uh, the MIGS market? And here's what he said. There is, and it, it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, they, they're, it's a horse race in some ways and, and not in others. You know, the, the, the MIGS space has always been defined by the target tissue. So, for example, uh, the ISPET has been directed at the canal space. Uh, Transcend has been directed at the suprachoroidal space. Uh, and, and Aquasis, or the Zen procedure, is in the subconjunctival space. So um, what that implies is that we have these safer procedures, but they're directed at different types of glaucoma. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe the race will heat up when they begin to cross over and show that these different mechanisms can work in different spaces. But right now, they're really defined by their target tissue. Well, that's a great distinction. I guess I, I've, I've seen them as competitors. It's easy to do that. Uh, they're all, you know, have similar products in, in the same area. But at this point, there really is very little crossover between the three? Uh, well, at this point, you know, at least by labeling, FDA labeling will yep. indicate that, you know, the canal space is limited to open-end glaucoma, uh, the uh, uh, you know the Zen perhaps may be restricted to more advanced disease just by labeling. Now that of course mm -hmm. doesn't mean a lot when it actually gets in the market. Put in the market, the, the doctors will use it for whatever they indicate it for, and that's where it'll be exciting. As all three of these these companies get on the market, uh, it'll be fascinating to see what types of diseases it will treat. Will it? Will it? Uh, hopefully, it will treat the both primary and secondary glaucomas. It, some of the more advanced problems. So that, that's what we're all hoping for in glaucoma, despite the labeling. So that's an interesting perspective, and, it, and it's obviously something I hadn't, uh, hadn't thought about, the fact that these, these devices can really coexist, at least initially, uh, until things play out. I spoke to uh, Dr. Andrew Iwa. Uh, he oversaw uh, and created Glaucoma 360, and we'll talk to him about that in a little bit. But regarding MIGS and Transcend and all the other players, uh, Glaucos, of course, uh, I asked him, you know, sort of what will, how, how will these entities coexist and, and who is likely or what is likely to help determine uh, the winners uh, or at least the leaders in this space? Let's have a listen. It'll depend on the patient. Uh, I think that uh, as it is, we're still relatively early in the, uh, in the process, uh, glaucoma is a chronic long-term disease. And so um, when we look at six-month data or one-year data or even two-year data, that's very, very important. 
But ultimately, we're looking at patients who are living longer, and we need solutions that will last 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. Can we repeat it? Are there any complications that we didn't foresee that may occur? So, so, so I think that in some patients, and I stand at the time of cataract surgery, might be uh, the excellent choice. On the other hand, the new Transcend devices also look very encouraging. But again, we're going to just have to get it out in the field, get some more longer-term data to see how they compare. Uh, we're also, the, the pressure level that you're going to want to achieve may influence which of these technologies you go to. If you need a really, really low pressure, then you may want to look at something like the Aquasis, uh device, where uh, you're, you're, you're trading off lower pressures. You'll have a, hopefully a very nice low blab. Uh, if you need just a tweaking, maybe an eye stent would be the best. So I think it's going to be one size does not fit all. As we go further and get more data, we'll get a better sense of how these different technologies work long term. I think there's going to be a place for all of them, and it's just going to be a matter of then fine-tuning for that patient. But as a surgeon who uses these, boy, do I love having the options. <laughs> Being able to sit out with patients and say, you know, we just don't have a trabeculectomy. We have now a number of options. Let's talk about your cataract. Let's talk about, in fact, that's one of the things I tell patients when they first come in. You know, we do a full history. You know, we're physicians. We're ophthalmologists. And I'll say, you know, you look healthy. You sound healthy. I think you're, you're going to be around for a while. If you know something I don't, we can save each other a lot of time. Glaucoma is <laughs> <laughs> not going to bother you for six months, right? But it's this ability to really customize care in a more efficient way with these newer diagnostics helping us to make the recommendations for the patients. Uh, I've never had as much uh, uh, enjoyment in helping patients. It's really an exciting time being uh, uh, helping patients with glaucoma. So that's our breakdown of the uh, Alcon Transcend deal, where it fits in the MIG space, how it will deal with others, uh, others in the space, including Allergan slash Aquasis or Glaucos, which of course is uh, is the pioneer in the space and is really uh, really blazing a trail. So we'll focus now on the Glaucoma 360 event, which uh, was held in San Francisco. It goes on for three days, and it, and it looks at the, the 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 existing the both existing treatments and new treatments coming down the pike. Uh, I talked again to Doctor Singh about uh, about the event. Asked him what were some of the highlights and if uh, if he was surprised. By uh, by anything presented uh, either early or late stage uh, over those three days. Here's what he said. Well, I think that there there's definitely were no major surprises. Uh, I've been following uh, several of the innovative approaches quite carefully, but there people are making progress. Certainly, on the I was happy to see that uh, Aerie is continuing to do uh, well moving forward uh, with their phase three program. Uh, I, I was pleased to see that there are several drug delivery companies uh, that have both external and internal approaches uh, that are uh, doing exciting work. Uh, you know, uh, Foresight Vision 5, Ocular Therapeutics, for example, are, have uh, external technologies uh, with the, uh, the Helios ring in the case of Foresight and the punctal plug approach with Ocular Therapeutics. That, uh, you know, I think it's nice to see in Phase 2 studies prove that you can lower intraocular pressure with external drug delivery. There are also uh, several companies looking at intraocular, uh, intracamular or posterior segment drug delivery for glaucoma as well. And, you know, overall, I think that there's progress being made in, uh, both in terms of, of novel uh, molecular entities 
as well as drug delivery on the surgical side. I think it's it's very, very exciting. I think there'll be several MIGS devices on the market. And, and I think there's room for several devices, but I think the different devices uh, have different approaches that will benefit particular patients. I don't think one device will uh, be perfect for every single uh, patient, uh, but I do think there's room for multiple devices uh, to uh, you know expand that category. So we hear a lot of uh, familiar names uh, in that uh, in that account of what uh, what what he heard, what Doctor Singh heard at uh, Glaucoma 360, uh, Foresight, Oculotherapeutics. Uh, we've seen them at uh, OIS, and uh, happy to hear they continue to make progress. And I'm sure we'll we'll hear more about that at a future OIS. Uh, I also talked with uh, Doctor Lewis about Glaucoma 360. He had uh, delivered the Frederick Sutro Memorial uh, Lecture, the, the keynote address there. And in his talk, uh, he, he, he gave an account of the many years he has spent um, working with glaucoma startups, with glaucoma companies, about developing new products and new treatments. Uh, and he said this is going on 30 years of, of consulting in glaucoma. And in his, in his keynote, he really wanted to focus on the good, uh, the bad, and he says the ugly uh, of some of the, the projects that he's, uh, he's worked with. Well, I had the uh, honor of giving the, uh, the Sutro lecture, which is the main lecture for that meeting. And uh, my, uh, th- this was uh, focused on my 30 years of consulting in, in glaucoma. And I pointed out the, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly of some of the things that I've been involved with, um, some of which were very helpful for patients and some of which were complete failures. And I think, uh, you know, we, we have to learn from our mistakes in, in all aspects of this, both in, in drug development as well as uh, the launching of the products. And I pointed out a number of, of uh, problems uh, and, and some successes in, in getting clinicians to change behavior uh, and um, also in helping our patients. So it was it was a lot of fun for me to be able to put this together. I, I was only given 30 minutes. I probably could have spoke for two hours. <laughs> a lot of a lot of good, bad, and ugly along the way. But it's uh, all in all, it's been very, very good, and it was a, a big honor for me to get that talk. What what uh, can you share? One or two uh, ugly developments for us? It's, you're right. That's not something that we often do in this industry. Uh, look at look yeah. at the growing pains. Well, you know, one of the ones was uh, a launch of uh, a product. Uh, well, it was it was originally the an Israeli company uh, called Alphenol that launched the Express, and they uh, contracted with Siva to launch it in the U.S. Uh, this is about uh, a little over ten years ago. Siva uh, really didn't have much experience in the surgical field at the time, and they hired some sales reps who then uh, had a certification program for the express device at the American Academy meeting uh, site. And so in about a five to 10 minute session, you were able to uh, take their device, which had an ejector, eject a few into a, into a pig eye. And then they gave you a, a printed out a certification. So people went home and felt they were experts in, in glaucoma surgery. And it resulted in a series of complications, uh, colloidal hemorrhages and infections and bleeding because uh, they really didn't spend the time to really teach the surgeon how to do it. And it, caught, it led to the uh, uh, 
they pulled the device off the market and uh, had to relaunch it in a different way. It took a couple of years to relaunch it. Uh, ultimately, the Express uh, turned out to be a good device, and Alcon acquired the Express a few years ago. Uh, but it was an example of very, very nearsighted approach mm-hmm. to launching a clinical product. Uh, the reverse of that, I think, was what uh, Glaucos did with the IceNet and how they uh, very carefully selected surgeons who were very, very uh, competent. Uh, they actually sent many of them to Armenia to do additional training off-site. Uh, they uh, had their reps well-trained in the OR, had them do a certain number of cases under direct supervision before they were given the green light to go. And I think that's, uh, you know, the two extremes of, of a surgical launch and uh, <clears throat> very important lesson that was learned. And then, of course, there's other lessons that were learned, uh, uh, products that were ex- did excellent in clinical trials. And when they got in the market, production changes caused some severe complications. So, it, again, I could have talked for hours about some of the things that happened here. And uh, I just touched on a few of the more noteworthy ones that I think hopefully won't happen again. And finally, I'll go back to uh, Dr. Iwa. Of course, he, again, uh, created and leads Glaucoma 360. I I asked him the question that I asked uh, Drs. Singh and Lewis as well, and and we'll have the full interviews with those those physicians in upcoming OIS podcasts. So uh, there's a lot of good material there. I'm sure you'll enjoy those conversations. But the question I asked to the three, and and Dr. Iwa will answer in this case, is uh, what is driving this surge of innovation in glaucoma today? Why is this all coming together uh, at this time? Uh, is it just a confluence of, of technologies that are making this progress possible? Is it patient demand? Is it something else? So Dr. Iwa had uh, a very interesting answers, as did Drs. Lewis and Singh. But uh, let's have a listen as to what he sees uh, as the reasons behind this surge in uh, in progress in glaucoma treatments? Well, well, certainly the market is increasing. As the uh, population ages, the incidence and prevalence of glaucoma increases, but also the, uh, the new uh, products that we have, the new solutions that we have that are now available, for example, the iStent, well, those have been worked on for many years. And as, as many know, the process can be circuitous and, uh, and, and prolonged, but there's a real need. Currently, our, quote, state-of-the-art uh, techniques in helping patients, unfortunately, have, uh, in, at a minimum, inconvenience and often can give symptoms and have potential complications. The reality is that most patients with glaucoma don't know they have the disease. In fact, that's why we spend a lot of effort in looking or screening for it. Now, if you take a patient who has no symptoms, and we know that if we don't do something over time, they will lose vision and we try to help them in intervening, some of our current interventions, in fact, will take a patient with no symptoms and give them symptoms. And so there is a real need for finding better solutions, ways to help these patients while at the same time minimizing the impact on their quality of life today. And that is a true need, and fortunately, industry and researchers are addressing it, and Glaucoma 360 has turned out to be a great platform to uh, share the new developments. Is glaucoma, in your mind, merely catching up to some of the other subspecialties within ophthalmology? I think there is some cross-pollination where there are some developments in other areas. Uh, there, there, there's 
several points where there are real breakthroughs. For example, on the pharmacology side with uh, prostaglandin analogs, which were approved back in 1996, that really changed the spectrum of how we were doing things. The, uh, when newer lasers were brought in, such as the new selective laser trabeculoplasty, that had an impact. And how we know it had an impact is if you look at Medicare data, uh, you can clearly see that the number of the more invasive filtering surgeries, the standard trabeculectomies, have gradually dropped off. And uh, it, it, the timing uh, lines up with, for example, when the prostaglandin analogs were introduced, as well as the increased utilization of lasers. So the, 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 the technology has been introduced. It takes a bit of time till people get comfortable with it, but there's no question that the impact uh, on patient care is real, and patients are benefiting from it. Uh, for example, now with, uh, with the introduction of the eye center over the past few years, um, this has been an important new tool to help patients. And the, the focus has to be not only are we trying to keep them seen, which is, of course, very important, but we need to also try to keep them happy. That is, try to minimize the impact of our interventions on their quality of life today. At uh, Glaucoma 360 at New Horizons, uh, we had the opportunity to have some input from the FDA. And I was pleased to hear that there appears to be a new initiative to, when evaluating new interventions, not only looking at how successful they are, not only looking at their complication rate, but there's an active process being set up to try to incorporate patient input, how they perceive the procedure or intervention. I think that's really important, particularly in a disease like glaucoma, where if we don't treat them, of course, they can go blind. So we have to do something. But at the same time, can we find ways to protect their vision and at the same time, not make them miserable in the meantime. All right. Well, that is a wrap on our first KOL Corner on your OIS podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you have any feedback on this or any podcast or any of our OIS content, feel free to shoot me an email. My email is tom at healthogy.com. Healthogy is spelled like the word health followed by the letters E-G-Y. So tom at healthogy.com. Uh, this is uh, clearly not going to be our last uh, focus on glaucoma. It's, uh, it's a dynamic space, uh, and it's one that uh, continues to grow in advance. So I'm pretty sure we'll be uh, talking to glaucoma specialists again sometime in the future. Uh, it's no longer uh, Jan Brady. It is now a total Marsha Brady subspecialty. It's all about glaucoma, glaucoma, glaucoma. Uh, thank you, Drs. Kuldeep Singh, Rick Lewis, and Andrew Ewa for joining us today, uh, for talking about the Transcend Deal and sharing your experiences from Glaucoma 360. Thank you, uh, Leah Abraham, for your thoughts on, uh, on the MIG space. It's always great to have you on the podcast. And thank you, our listeners, uh, for joining in. And don't forget to go to OIS.net. Uh, it's revamped. It's, uh, it's new. A lot of great content up there. And... You can register for the upcoming OIS at ASCRS. It'll be on May 5th. So uh, please go there. There are co-chairs, uh, Emmett Cunningham, Gil Kleiman, and Bill Link have been working hard on the agenda. It looks terrific. And uh, the early registration numbers are very strong. We had a great uh, OIS at AAO. It was our largest event by far. Uh, I don't know if we'll hit those numbers uh, at uh, OIS at ASCRS, but... Uh, it's promising to be a very exciting and dynamic event. So 
go to ois.net, register to attend the conference on May 5th, and we will see you in New Orleans. <laughs>